We're back with another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager, is with us. I'm Gord Whitehead. We're going to talk about something that a lot of people take part in, Ron. Uh, maybe it's not anybody that, one of our listeners, you know anybody that's in an investment club, but it's often a way to sort of broaden your knowledge, certainly, about investing and to limit some of your exposure and maybe make you sleep a little better at night. What are the advantages of an investment club? Well, I think the first thing is that it's a forced savings plan. So typically, if you're in a club, you're required to pay dues. Those dues get recycled into stocks and bonds and gold and, and REITs and all kinds of other things. So it, it does force you to save. Uh, secondly, uh, an investment club's not a bad place to start because it increases your investment knowledge. And you've just started. Often you don't know how to build a portfolio. You don't know where to start. You don't even have any access because maybe the social circle you're in, nobody invests. So uh, that is a great way to just expand your knowledge. It puts you in a social circle of savers and not just spenders. So if you go out and uh, watch a, go to a sports bar on a Friday night and hang out with your buddies who like to uh, swill beer and watch the game, often that social circle is, People with has spending habits, no, no great saving habits. So being put in a circle where people actually save money is kind of refreshing sometimes. And also it, it uh, helps you build new friends and new interests, especially, you know, if you're a little bit quiet, an investment club can be a great way to meet new people because typically you're going to have to get up, you're going to have to do presentations, you're going to have to participate in discussions of why you like or dislike something. So it's a great way to have fun and meet new friends. So you've built an outline here, and we're going to start with that. How do you build a successful club? Let's start with the size. What's a, what's a good number of people to get involved here? Well, I've seen clubs with uh, some of the university clubs that I've seen that might have 100 or 200 members. And the problem with those clubs is that they're get, so big, they become unwieldy. Yeah, nobody can get anything done, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't get anything done. And so if they're too small, you know, unless you've got some very, very well-heeled uh, friends that have big bank accounts, uh, the typical problem if a club is too small is you won't have enough dues to make regular additions to the portfolio of any significant size. So if you had, for example, 20 members in a club, and everybody put in a hundred dollars a month. So you got well, two thousand bucks, yeah. Yeah, two thousand bucks, which means at the end of one year you're gonna have a portfolio of twenty four thousand dollars. And if you're buying two thousand dollar positions, especially if you're at a discount broker, I mean this really can start building up and you know, if you've got stocks with an average of four percent dividends, well, you know, you're every month you're getting not only the money that's coming in from uh, the members dues, but you're getting dividends coming back at it. And so the thing starts to snowball after it's bigger, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And of course, the bigger it gets, the more fun it gets because you got some real money to play with. Uh, that kind of follows. So what sort of meetings should, should we have? Should we set these up every two weeks, once a month? What sort of optimal do you think? I think you have it too often. If you, and I've seen clubs meet weekly. And often that wears people out. They just have other commitments and they don't have the time to be able to do that. But if you have it every couple of months, every two or three, for example, quarterly meetings, there again, 
they're so far apart that people tend to get disinterested and their lives get cluttered with everything else. So generally, I found that it, the one thing that works the best is having a meeting about once a month and then keeping the duration down to two hours. So if they turn into these long marathon sessions that uh, run for hours and hours, five or six hours, I've seen some of these club meetings, and half the people in there, they always seem to be held in rooms where there's no air movement, so <laughs> half of the people in there are falling asleep. So you, you want to keep them concise. You want to have them organized. You want to send out an agenda. Uh, frankly, if people speak too long, you want to have a bell so you can say, time's up, pal. you got to sit down. Otherwise, we're going to be here till midnight. Okay, so the dues, which we talked about, you, you use the, the example of $100 a month per member. So you should probably make sure you pay those dues every month. That's going to be a hard, fast rule, correct? Yeah, hard and fast. I mean, if you don't uh, pay your dues, um, <clears throat> we'll get into um, the, the rules of leaving. If you're not making payments uh, at the end of the quarter or semi-annually or annually when you have that time frame where investors can get out, then those people should slide out and, and you should have an active recruiting program where you can bring people in. And if you've got a good club, that shouldn't be hard to bring good people in because people are really hungry for uh, the things that they can learn in a club, especially if you've got one that's really well run. So the other thing I guess we have to consider here is the demographics of this group. You Would it be wise or sage to have some young folks and some folks that are a little further along the road of life with maybe a little more experience? Well, I think that adds a lot of interest. But what you want to do is you want to have it fairly cohesive because people at different points in their lives have very different goals and investment choices. And people with dissimilar income also have very different goals. So if you have a club where you have someone who's 22 years old and is struggling to make tuition next quarter, it's going to be hard for him to regularly put money into the club as well as if you have people that are really inexperienced, and a lot of them, it's also not a good idea because, frankly, if you vote on your suggestions, which I suggest you do, then what happens is the inexperienced people will overwhelm the experienced people, and often you'll end up doing things that you regret. So having the bulk of your membership having some experience, also having the bulk of your membership fairly cohesive so they've got the same goals and investment choices will help that clubs stay together. The long ones that I've seen that have lasted the longest, and I've seen clubs that have run 30 and 40 years, are clubs where they're pretty cohesive in their demographic. You, you mentioned a word there too, goals. You should have clearly defined goals, should you not? You should ask members uh, what they want to achieve with the club over a one, three, five-year period. You know, what are their educational goals? So what do they want to achieve? What do they want to learn? Uh, what do they want to achieve as far as performance goes? What do they want to have that portfolio look like? Are they value investors? Are they growth investors? Are they traders? So, you know, you want to learn your craft. So you want to have a club that pretty much has similar goals. If you have half the club that wants to day trade and half that doesn't, uh, you can screen those people out. You know, they can, they can tell you what they want before they get in. And if they have similar goals, it's going to make your club much, much easier to run. So do you have to identify a specific investment strategy? I think that would be a wise move. Are we going to be in energy stocks? Are we going to be in 
technology, whatever, something along those lines? Yeah, I think you can take that in a little bit more of a broad brush direction for it. I think you can look at what types of investments are you going to focus on. Is it strictly going to be a stock portfolio? Is it going to be a domestic portfolio? Are you going to have some international? If you do, are you going to limit yourself to United States or Europe or Asia? Are you only going to buy ETFs or are you going to buy uh, stocks as well? Uh, what are your buy and sell criteria? Are you a value investor? Are you a growth investor? Or are you a chartist? How often will you rebalance the portfolio? What is your asset mix between stock and bonds? What is your position size limit so that you're not taking half your portfolio and sticking it in one stock? How much sector diversification criteria are you going to have? Are you going to be purely in energy? And there's some clubs, they, they focus on REITs or they focus on energy stocks. But frankly, your, your uh, investment club's probably going to last longer. The more diversified you are, the less lumps you're going to take in a bear market. And frankly, that's the one thing that kills investors is just the bear market. Things all go down and people feel, well, why am I even coming to this thing? Because all we do is lose money. And so at the end of the quarter or whenever you have uh, your exit, everybody's lined up to liquidate and get out. So should you define an exit strategy for your club? Oh, if you don't have an exit strategy, then you have open warfare at club meetings, and you absolutely don't want that. So if people decide they want to leave, have specific rules on when they can receive their share of the partnership refunded to them. Often people get scared at market bottoms and want their money right away. Don't do that because it's going to force you to sell out at the bottom. And you'll end up taking uh, a loss, which ends up being shared by everybody. Many clubs allow liquidation only quarterly, semi-annually, or annual, annually for that reason. And my favorite is annually, because it forces you to stay there and gives you generally some breathing room after a market bottoms out. So people have to wait a while. Obviously, there's, uh, there's specific issues and humanitarian issues. I mean, if somebody goes bankrupt or needs a lot of money for health care costs, I mean, there's humanitarian issues. But generally, once a, once a year, and you should make that very clear to people when they get in, that once a year is when they can get out. And not. Uh, and if they, if they can't commit to that, then they should, uh, then it's probably not a good idea to come in because you can't have people jerking money out all the time. It's going to ruin your club and ruin your performance. I think another key here is probably to invite people with some knowledge. Education should be a big part of this. You have an accountant in and a financial planner, maybe a, a broker, things like that? Yeah, and have someone that can talk about uh, legal issues like probates and uh, can talk about what happens if your marriage falls apart and, and uh, some good rules if you're buying a property. Uh, how to handle an estate if you're an executor. And these are all things which, frankly, are just going to make you a better investor. Also, I would recommend that uh, the club get some good research, you know. And so you can get some very, very good research online for a couple hundred dollars a year. And purchase this research and then share it. Watch some educational podcasts and videos. You know, if you had a night where you pre-recorded Warren Buffett's annual report and as he was going through it, you listen to that, that would be an evening very well spent. So research is a key there, right? And, and right, I guess absolutely. You can, you can assign members of the club if you're thinking about making a purchase, say you want to look really hard at buying Apple. 
It, so you sit down and you drill down into the stock. A couple of people get that assignment, they look at it, and they decide yay or nay. Would that be a good idea? I think that is the way that you get everybody on the learning curve. So if you guys decide that Apple is the stock that you want to look at because it's had a big pullback, well, assign a couple of members to drill down into that stock, present the financial data about it, uh, bring in some outside opinions as to where it's going, and to treat your club like an investment committee. Frankly, most big pension funds will have an investment committee. They'll have people that will research different ideas and bring it back before the committee, and then they have a vote on it. And this has proved to be a very successful format because it gives everyone a chance to learn and practice basic research and assessment skills. So I'd say that is one of the most important things of the club is get members to do their research, present it, and then just have an open debate where everybody can debate the pros and cons of the report and then have a vote. It's, uh, that's usually the most exciting part of the meeting. So, okay, we've looked at, at some of the strategies you should employ to set one of these clubs up. Now, you've done that, and things start to go sideways. What are the most common reasons these things fail, Ron? I think there's two main reasons. The first of all is, the first off, is that clubs often don't stick to a rules-based investment strategy. So if, if you have a rules-based strategy where you buy things in various sectors, you have buy criteria, you have sell criteria, you're going to be in and out of favor over an investment cycle. But generally, if you stick to your rules-based and you don't just flip from one thing to another, you're going to do fine. It's clubs that one week they're traders, next week they're value investors, next week they're growth investors, next week they're buying junior stocks. Uh, these guys that flip back and forth don't make money. And I guess you, you really, as we talked about, you should define clear goals, right? What are we trying to achieve here, and, and what's our timeline for it? Yeah, and clubs that become a gambling casino lose money and members get discouraged. So you've got to have those clear goals because I've seen clubs where uh, I hadn't, uh, I'd go talk to them and maybe not uh, have any um, contact with them for four or five years, and then I'll come back and look. The portfolio is unrecognizable. Half the times I'll look at these names and I don't recognize any of them. You know, they're four cents, three cents, two cents. Maybe they bought them higher, but they completely wasted themselves and they never bothered getting rid of them. So the portfolio ends up looking like a junk pile. And if you do that, uh, your club will melt like butter on a hot stove. All right. So final installment here of, of, of investment clubs. If, we, if people are listening, they think that's a pretty good idea. I got some friends that are kind of like-minded about our investment strategies. Maybe we should start a club. What's the process? Well, to start a club, you want to get a legal partnership because it's going to be an entity that's going to have to pay taxes. And so it has to be registered if you want to open up a bank account. So first of all, uh, go to a lawyer. It's not hard to set up a partnership or you can even go online and get par partnership documents. So as long as you have something, <clears throat> and then you have to get signing authority, so you have to have a couple of members uh, that have the ability to actually execute the trade. You have to have people that can sign off to move money from one account to another or cut checks. So you need to elect a president and a treasurer. Uh, next, you need to open a bank account. And so you need the partnership documentation you need to have people with signing authority, then you can go into the bank and open an account. And, of course, 
then will be the decision on what you should do uh, with a broker. Should you have an account at a full-service brokerage firm? And if you're a young newbie club with a lot of inexperienced members, that's a great place to start is to have someone who has some experience can come and make presentations about portfolio balance, asset allocation, those kind of things. If you have a bunch of very serious experienced investors, consider a discount broker because obviously the fees are a lot less. You get to keep more money in your pocket. And then finally, once you've got all these things done and you've set up your charter and your goals, then you just want to prepare to learn and have fun because I've had great times going to investment clubs. In fact, I'm actually thinking I've had a couple of requests to start one again. And uh, I think now that I'm retired, that would be a lot of fun. Well, and you, you bring a little knowledge to the table there. That might help out too, partner. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it also, you know, listening to other people's views, it's just, uh, it's great. And you make it an evening where play, after you have the meeting, maybe you go to a restaurant or, or you go to a coffee house or you go out and have a couple of beers or, or sushi or whatever you do. Um, you know, these things can be a, 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 a lot of fun. Uh, go out and enjoy yourself, and uh, if you get a chance and you've got some like-minded friends, think about starting an investment club. Uh, if, you, if you're if you consistent and you've got a rules-based investment strategy, you can do really well. And if you're looking for information on certain things, remember you can go to makingmoney.ca. All our shows are archived there. Maybe we can pass along a tip or two for you. If you have a question you'd like us to address... You can email us directly to the cfcw.com website or reach us through makingmoney.ca and we'll be happy to address them in an upcoming episode. Ron Hebert is a retired portfolio manager. We call him the financial coach in these parts. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll be back next week with another edition of Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.